This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to Footballers. As we gear up, get ready for FIFA 23, we're going to give FIFA 22 a proper closeout. I've got right foot with me, as always, and Matt Lamborn. Matt, good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing good, mate. It's good to be back on the airwaves. And uh, it's been a nice break over the summer. Actually got outside, done some stuff with the fam. Loads of bullshit still going on with my kitchen and house renovation project, which we won't go into too much detail on this podcast. But yeah, life is good, and I am ready to inject a new game into my veins. Inject. Paul, how are you? I'm really good, yeah. Yeah, I'm still uh, ticking away, playing FIFA 22, enjoying it somewhat. Um, I'm only really still enjoying... 22? Yeah. Um, you know, I think playing co-op has made it loads of fun, and I'm still playing a bit of Weekend League. Um, yeah, still ticking away, loads of content, still enjoying it. Yeah, let's talk about that content because we finally got the card that I was waiting for all year, the Mindy card, and it's an ultimate footies card. So it has special links, right? And the the price tag is what I want to talk about. It seemed like the entire market or the entire community took this the same way as it is severely overpriced. And I know that's come down because the market's come down. But st- tell us about it, Paul. I mean, the Mindy SBC, how many SBCs was it? What does it cost? Um, it's 17 sections. And when it first came out, it was around three mil. Um, and it had some weird requirements as well. It needed three winter wild cards in one segment, four future stars in another, six team of the seasons in another, and four foot birthdays in another with quite a few really, like I think it needed 291s and 290 rated squads as well, plus some other stuff. So three mil, everyone's looked at it. I think it's the most downvoted SBC on Footbin of the year. Um, And everybody were like, no way, not doing this. Um, And then yesterday happened and everything just went 
to the floor. Like so many cards dropped, like 95 rated team of the seasons with 22k. Um, and everything just dropped loads. And there's nowhere really to put your duplicates unless you're putting them into the new um, 10 times footies SBC we got or 85 times 10. But if you, you know, you're grinding the new upgrades we got today, there's nowhere for you to put your duplicates. So um, I think a few people will have started doing it this week. And and to be honest, my biggest issue is not the price at 1.5 mil. It's the fact that it's only two weeks. I think if they'd have put it out for a month, people will tick away and do it if they want to. But um, we've also had Casimiro and Cruz drop in the last two days as well, in the last three days as well. So, you know, you've got three um, Real Madrid centre mids all dropping the same week. One of them ridiculously priced, but a super popular card. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. The The amount of time they gave people to do it seems a bit short, but I mean, at the same time, beta codes are going out literally in a few days. And I think that's where all the attention is going to focus, which last year they gave quite a few beta codes out. But yeah, why not give them a month? You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who don't get FIFA right away. They'll get it like in Thanksgiving or around Christmas when it's cheaper. Why not give them more time to do it, you know, and earn the card? I don't understand the the need for a short time constraint there. Matt, what was your take on it? I know you're kind of taking a break from FIFA, but you're following the content too, right? Sure. Um, I think it's cool that the card happened. Um, and I think if you're still playing at this stage, you probably should do it um, just to remain competitive. And if, you, if you're playing to this point in the season, you kind of need to be making the most of some of these silly cards that come out that are a little bit OP stroke essential. But the the first thing that I always ask myself when weird stuff like this happens is why they're not just doing this just to put some reward out there. There's there's always a purpose generally to the content, particularly something like this. It's so specifically unusual. Those the the value of the requirements and the specificity of the requirements, i.e., the different types of cards you need, not just rating, but it has to be so many uh, winter wild cards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's very unusual. So I was asking myself, why are they doing this? And the conclusion that I'm coming to, and this can be like tinfoil hat stuff, or I could be fairly close to the mark, but I'm just thinking that we're getting to the point now where EA would love everyone just to leave everything behind in, in FIFA 22. So you get one last hurrah of a card that they want you to wipe out your club ready for FIFA 23, that's one point. But the other point being is once they lose that FIFA brand next year, I'm pretty sure that all the the legacy FIFAs before it are going to get turned off. Like at the moment, if we jump from FIFA 21 to 22, you can Mm. still go back and play FIFA 21, FIFA 20, FIFA 19 in a limited capacity. I hadn't thought about that. That's not going to be possible once they lose that brand. Those games are going to be dead. Hmm. So I think what EA would like us to do is burn off everything in our clubs to essentially stop us from going back because no one's going to want to play FIFA 22 or just Mendy. And certainly not if you don't have any coins to dick around in the market, that kind of thing. So I think this is a sign of where things are going. That 
in the past, I don't know if you remember from very old versions of, of Ultimate Team, they used to have a feature that they didn't really do much with called Generations, where you could build squads with cards that you had from previous versions of the game, but you couldn't really do anything with them. But it seemed like they were going to try and maybe do something, but they never got around to it. So it was almost worth still keeping content in your club, even when you've moved on to the next year's iteration of the game. Now it looks like by releasing content like this, that they want you to clean out your own club voluntarily. So you've got no reason to want to go back to that old game. And then no one's going to complain when those legacy games get deactivated, when uh, EA Sports FC or whatever it's called comes out in uh, late 2023. That's my reading into it. I don't know, obviously, if that's the case, but it just seems to be a reasonably compelling argument that because this is such an unusual SBC, and it does seem to serve a purpose for EA as much as it delivers the fans a fun card that a lot of people like yourself want to have been wanting all year round. Yeah, but unfortunately for me, it's a little too late. And um, I've already moved on. I'm ready for FIFA 23. Uh, before we get on to FIFA 23 real quick, let's give FIFA 22 a final grade. Um, 10 being best FIFA you've ever played, one being the worst FIFA you've ever played. And we'll start with you, Paul. Um, I think it's probably the best FIFA I've played. Um, overall, content, everything. Um, I definitely think it's an improvement on last year and, you know, the previous years before that. I've only been playing since 18, so I think it's definitely the best we've had since FIFA 18. Um, I've really so enjoyed you're giving it a 10. I don't know if I can give it a 10. I I feel like, yeah, if, if a 10 is the best FIFA I've ever played, it's a 10, but, um, you better give him a 10 if you want that pack look to continue. I don't, I don't think, um, yeah, there's, there's room for improvement. That's why I don't want to give it a 10. Hmm. I see. That's good. Mets? I don't have too many negatives to say about the game, if I'm honest. Um, I've been largely satisfied all year. And look, as far as content's concerned, I can't be too un- unhappy with a year where I got a special on Outovich in the first month, a Fellaini not long after that, a Veg horse, and uh, a pretty sweet Perisic all in the same game year. Uh, the only card that I wanted that I didn't get was a special Rabio, but you know, whatever. That's that's not a big deal whatsoever. So, in terms of serving up the kind of cards I like, they hit the nail on the head. It was a really great year for that. So that for me papers over the cracks of any gameplay issues to a point, or some of the ineptitude from the content team when they messed up on certain things that we spoke about throughout the season. So, mm-hmm. like Paul was saying, I think it's better than the previous year's game, which is the most important thing. You have to see progression year on year, and it definitely did that. Um, but there is still room for improvement. So I'd give it like a solid 7.5. I think it's it's the best FIFA for a few years, but I felt happier in the game in some older versions of, of FIFA, generally speaking. But for the most part, you know, I was playing it and thoroughly engaged for almost the whole year. Um, just once I got to the summer, I just couldn't do it anymore. But um, yeah. yeah, for larger, it's been a, a very successful year. Good. Well, I mean, 
we all know I've had experiences with connections and whatnot, but when the game is good, I think it's the best FIFA we've ever had gameplay wise and the content, there's never been a better year for content. So, uh, assuming that the game is good and the connection is good, I mean, I would give it a nine, just like you, Paul, but we have to leave room for improvement. And I really hope we can, this, this cross console, I really hope they get this right because I think that can go a long way in helping with connection issues, right? Cause you can open that player pool up and connect with more people closer to you. So really hoping they get that right. And um, hoping for 23 to be a really good game and uh, more consistent than it was for me in 22, but it is what it is. We're moving on. We talked about closed beta earlier with FIFA 23 and I got some dates. So those beta codes are going to be sent out. I'm assuming the next few days because the beta, the closed beta starts August 11th and it ends September 1st. I did watch Top Ends Live so you guys didn't have to because I appreciate you guys that much. What I really found interesting, and I want to come to you on this one, Mets, they emphasized, you know, don't share this, don't share, don't share, don't stream, don't share images, don't, we get it. It's a closed beta. It's in the email, but why would they emphasize it so many times? I mean, they spent like three or four minutes going over it time and time and time again about not even sharing a picture or a screen grab What's the what's the issue with just sharing a simple screen grab of a closed beta in a game that you're going to release a few weeks later? I don't understand this. I think it's the same reason why they don't put demos out anymore is that the public have a tendency to destroy anything, even in its earliest conceptual forms, before they get the full version of it. So only bad publicity can come from sharing content out of a beta or a demo. When, especially when you know it's something everyone's going to buy anyway, what what purpose are you serving right. by putting a demo out? And the same goes for we don't want people to share this because negative opinions will form it because things are going to be pretty rough in a beta. So one, they don't want people doing that and adversely affecting the hype, let's say. And they certainly don't trust their own community to build up the buzz sufficiently. <laughs> it's only going to be bad news. Um. I did have another point, but I forgot what I was going to say now. Well, while you think about it, my issue is, of course, if I get the beta, I'm not going to stream. I'm not going to share because I want to keep playing the beta. But my issue is like the new uh, Modern Warfare. You and I talk about it in DMs a lot. People are so excited about it. They want to see more screen grabs. They want to see information and, you know, things about the game because it looks so sick. It looks like a ridiculously cool first person shooter, like next generation first person shooters. I feel like Modern Warfare, they're proud of the product. They want people to see it. They want people to share it. I feel like it's almost like they're, they're afraid to give people a ride on this thing because they know it's so susceptible to negativity and, and bad PR. Like you said, I don't know. It just, it kind of sits weird with me. Like I figure, mm. like, you know, be proud of your product. You should want it's, people to promote it. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned modern warfare specifically, because I think they've had to get ahead of a few leaks, some legitimate leaks. So that's why that's kind of getting shared around a bit more than it otherwise wouldn't mm. be. And Activision have had problems with Call of Duty in years gone by where games like, if you remember Infinite Warfare a few years ago, that was pretty much DOA because of negative mm-hmm. reaction their trailer got, never mind demos and leaked betas and, and stuff like that. So if it's a product you know people are going to buy regardless, right? probably pays to share less, like less is more when it comes to hype. The more you give them, it can only downtrain the hype or just create a whole negative atmosphere ahead of the game, which 
it's totally unnecessary. And yeah, the point I was I was going to make that I'd forgotten is purely for the benefit of some otherwise naive people is that they do not tolerate people getting frisky with this kind of stuff. So it's a repeated warning not to share or you, you're going to get kicked off the program for now and in future. You might even lose your, your EA account and not be able to play the game. They're that strict about it. So they're obviously overemphasizing people not to fuck around for lack of a better word. Yes. And then the other reasons that we just discussed that there's there's material reasons why they don't want that stuff getting out there because right. at the end of the day, the beta isn't just to give people an advanced preview and make content around what they're getting their hands on. It's to iron out bugs, that kind of thing. They know things are rough. I've played betas in the past for, for FIFA and they're not very good. Generally, it's a very mm. poor experience for the player that you're partaking to do them a favor, not the other way around. And I think it's important to remember that. Yeah. And the version that you're playing in the beta is likely I mean, I'm at least two or three versions behind the current version anyway. So, uh, just if you're going to get the beta, make sure if you want the beta, make sure you've gone to EA and log into your origin account. Make sure you're signed up to receive emails and check your spam, check your drunk, your junk, because that's where a lot of the stuff ends up. A lot of people say, oh, I didn't get a code. And then they'll check two weeks later and it's been sitting in their junk pile the whole time. Um, also, there's no beta for PC, Stadia or Nintendo Switch. And everyone this year who gets a beta will have access to kickoff, online seasons, online friendlies and the practice arena. And then they'll get one additional mode of either foot, career mode, Volta, or pro clubs. So also one last thing I want to mention, your progress in the beta does not carry over to FIFA 23. So you don't have to sweat out the beta. Play it, try <laughs> to abuse it, enjoy it, point out the flaws, go to the forums, give feedback, try to be part of it and, and try to help fix the game. Don't just sweat out the beta. That's ridiculous. Paul, I say that. I know you're going to sweat it out. I'm not playing the beta. No interest yes, whatsoever in playing the beta. I've got a perfectly good game here with loads of fancy new cards that I want to use. Um, I'm not. I'm not touching the beta. Um, does not interest me whatsoever. Hmm. I, I, I've just. Well. I've, I've played betas in the past, and it just. Yeah, I just didn't. Didn't enjoy it. Um, and like you say, you don't. I'm, I'm with you, Paul. I think they're a very, very poor experience yeah. to the player. But you know, you, you, like, like really you say, you, you're doing them a favor. You're playing to try and get some information to pass on to them. It don't carry over on into the next game. Um, and you know, like you say, you're a bug hunter. You're out there looking for the bugs to feed back to them. Um, and you know, going back to not sharing things. They want to be in control of all the information that's been leaked out to to anyone, and it's it's difficult in this day. Being poured out, yeah, it's difficult in it in this day and age. But um, you know, they want to have as much control as possible in that. Yeah, I get it. Makes sense. And you know, you don't have a right to play the beta. So if you abuse that, you won't have the right to play it. So it's their game. It's their rules. So play by them. Um. Let's get on to FIFA 23. We've got a lot of updates. We're going to get through some of these. We'll spend more time on others. But one thing that I'm super excited about, Paul, you'll probably really enjoy this. They completely revamped the turf. And I'm talking the grass, not the kind you smoke. So they tuned the length of the grass. They tuned the color of the grass. 
And when you slide across the pitch, it leaves little mud trails in the pitch and it stays there the whole time. I couldn't give less. Isn't that awesome? I couldn't give less of a fuck. That, who cares? (laughs) Who cares? Grass. It's like, you know. Dynamic grass. Yeah, I know. If you're probably seven years old and you're just playing FIFA for the first time, it's probably really fun to um, be able to skid on the floor and see the marks it leaves. But what? (laughs) Whatever. Like, why even mention it? Like, it's, you know, it's just. High promotion skid marks, man. It's just something to put in there. And I'm not going to beat up on it, but it's just nobody gives a fuck about the length of the grass. Hmm. Mets, do you like the grass edition? I'm not concerned at all if it's just purely cosmetic, but I'm I'm interested if there's a material gameplay um, effect that it has, i.e. can I set the length of the grass so in foot champs I can have it long so people can't ping through balls from their centre-backs to the strikers in a super smooth fashion. I want that shit rough so those passes basically don't go as fast so I can play lumpy long balls and uh, dominate them with my shithouse style of play. That interests me. Yeah. But if it's just like skid marks on the pitch and they don't really do anything, I'm I'm not interested. And it's such a basic thing to have in a sports game in the year 2020. (laughs) I'm sure Madden and other stuff's been doing this for a very, very long time. So why are we just getting it now? I did see something that I was more interested in, though, which was about shadow density and, and stuff, mm-hmm. the stuff that actually does affect yes. um, visibility in the game. And I don't think, like, the ball necessarily or the stadium should generate any shadow or very little. Because the amount well, of times you get a player who picks a stadium that casts shadows all over the pitch is so annoying. It yeah. really, really degrades the gameplay experience. But they changed that in champs, right? You only play at the foot champ stadium. So at least you don't have to worry about it there. But there was an issue. Wasn't it? Uh, I think it was our first season in footballers where some balls didn't have a shadow and some did. Yeah. And it was, it was a big difference. Like it, was, it made it really hard for the depth perception side, like hard to figure out where a ball was going to drop. You didn't, sometimes I would just lose track of the ball. Yeah. Uh, contrast is important. I think when you have that, that ball constantly pinging around, what I'm more concerned about, though, is like Matt was alluding to, is the stadiums and the players. How is that going to affect the gameplay or, or the visual side of it? So um, hopefully, if, if, you're, if you don't have one by now, HDR monitors will be pretty handy for this because you can adjust the tuning of the black on those. So uh, maybe consider doing that if you have one. Uh, Paul, are you concerned about the shadows at all? Um, you'll still be able to see your pink pitch lines. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the shadows are an absolute pain in the ass when somebody plays with... Yes. I can't remember which stadium it is now, but, like, there's a, a quarter of the pitch has got a shadow on it, and it just messes with your eyes. I don't know if it's just my age or what, but it really does fuck with my eyes. Um, but, yeah, it was the first year in footballers, Hunter, and it was one of these new balls that you got from the um, objectives, and with and it didn't have a shadow. And it just fucked you up. You could not track the ball. It was so difficult to track that ball without yeah. without the shadow on it. Um, and you think, you know, that's just a small thing, but it really did It really did mess with it. But, you know, in this game, we should all be playing with the, not the same, you know, cosmetically we should be able to change it, but at the roots of it, it should all be the same game. You shouldn't be able to, you know, 
sway things in your favour and, you know, make it harder for your opponent. Well, FIFA 21 is what it was. Yeah. Well, there's also a new trainer that's going to be going in the game. And I saw visual clips of it, video clips, and it looked to be more sleek. It wasn't as bulky. So it looked like you could have all the, the helpers on and all the trainer overlays and it doesn't get in your way as much. Like I didn't like using all the stuff on the trainer because to me it was just distracting. It was too, it wasn't transparent enough. I feel like it needed to be like it is this year. So it looks like they've done good there on the trainer side. Um, some of the other visual effects and additions, there's, there's tons of new cutscenes from like set place, scoring, entering the game, uh, going into halftime. There's new commentary, uh, new camera effects and from cinematic lenses and set pieces. And uh, they have new netting and audio effects. So after you score a goal, you can like put in a sound effect of like a train horn or a horse neighing or something like that. Uh, more customization. I know Mets is shaking his head. Like who gives a fuck, but yeah, it's going to get wacky. Um, but we also have the addition of female officials, which they're really, really proud of. Um, I could give a shit less, but hey, if it, if it helps people enjoy the game, great. I mean, I don't ever pay attention to the referees unless they're wearing the same color kit as my opponent, which is frustrating. Hopefully we don't have to deal with that. But Paul, what do you think about having female officials in the game? Are you concerned? I couldn't care less, really. Like, I know, yeah, really pushing the um, the women's football, women officials, and, you know, I'm all for that, but I really do feel like it's just just for points. You know what I mean? Like they're just ticking yeah. a box and they're just doing it just for um just for the sake of <clears throat> they're just trying to get walk points out that's exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to show that they are um they are at the forefront. The, the we've seen it over the year with all sorts of stuff that they've done and you know, I, I couldn't care less whether they have women official, men officials, whatever. Who cares? If the game's good, the game's good. Yeah. I'm just, what I'm worried about is like sometimes, you know, women can be emotional and <laughs> that carries over into a football match. I mean, you can see straight red when you shouldn't deserve it in a lot of people's opinions. I don't know, Mets, is that going to be an issue? <laughs> I think it would be funny if they, regardless of, of sex or gender or whatever, but different referees had propensity to dish out cards in certain ways. I'm sure that we've had that in the past and it's kind of been lost over the years for sort of like a generic referee. You say that. I want, and- it'd be funny if you had a referee that, that either lets you make you know very physical challenges and get away with it so there's less cards or sometimes like super strict and you get a red for fairly innocuous stuff. It changes stuff in the game. You have to adjust your playing style yeah. accordingly, but I don't, don't care if it's a man or woman or a, a a binary person or whatever as the official who who cares it's, it's yeah. unimportant Hunt, yeah. when hunter's wife listens to this podcast hunter's definitely getting a fucking red card i'll tell you that after those statements probably oh well we'll get over it <clears throat> you say that uh Mitch, you mentioned wanting to make referees with different I guess, temperaments, you can actually do that in FIFA 23, but it's only for offline modes. You can set it to more strict or, or more lenient, which is, I think that's cool, but yeah, I don't know one, why you would do that in offline only. Yeah, one, it needs to be online, and two, it shouldn't be under your control. It should be random. So yeah. you, you, you see who the referee is at the start of the match, and you're like, ah, oh, I need to play a <laughs> certain way. 
that's the fucking the way to do it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool actually. If you you know it popped up at the uh, in the loading yeah. screen when you get your opponent, um, you've got this referee super strict or super lenient. Um, it just had a had a different, just something different yeah. to the game. Wouldn't it be uh, be fun? It's just an extra more entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Well. I want to go go into the gameplay side. I'm done with the visual stuff because to me, all the visual stuff is mostly irrelevant. Uh, I saw, and I don't know, it, it reads as if it applies to foot, but it looks like they made a five subs rule. So the, ver- the verbiage they use with more leagues and associations, reintroducing the five substitutes rule, FIFA 23 will also allow players to make up to five substitutions per match, except in online seasons and seasons co-op matches. To me, that means it's going to be in foot. My initial re- reaction would be, this is going to enable people to play like dicks. This gives people all the incentive to just go constant pressure, knowing they can swap out five or half your team, essentially, and then keep the, the pressure applied. I really hope they do something about team press this year. I felt like it was way too strong the entire year last year, and I don't think you lost near enough stamina for using team press. Um, what do you, or is that part of your concerns? What do you think when you hear this, Paul? Yeah, I, I don't know if I like it or the not. Stamina is going to be irrelevant. We'll, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. But if you're, um, if you've got a really good team and a really good bench and you've got five absolute banging cards that you're bringing on after 60 minutes, that, that's going to have a huge impact on the game. Whereas, you know, you bring three on, that can be um, really impactful. But five is, I just feel like it's... That's game changing. I just feel like it's too, too many, you know. Um, but I have heard that it is in, in foot as well. I think I did um, see that the other day. But, um, yeah. I like it. Maybe I do like it. You know, you, you, I always struggle with choosing the, the five subs to have on the bench. Um, so now, you know, I know to bring on. Now I can just bring them all on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see where it'd be more fun because it'll be more, more attacking, more engaging. I just feel like it's going to enable the, the AI to do more of the work for people if they can just disregard statement altogether. Mets, where are you at with this one? I think it kind of highlights areas where we've kind of gone backwards in Ultimate Team over the years because if you can have a, a very high-quality bench now and change five of them into the game with no downside, that, that's a problem for all the reasons that you just talked about. In previous years, we used to have attacks on stamina like in between games, so you'd have to get stamina cards to top, uh, top up your fitness, which... Is something I think we could do with back, if, particularly if we've got five um, working substitutions. And then there was squad morale. So if you put like players on the bench and they didn't start, their morale would go down, and that's an extra tax that you would have to essentially deal with in-game. So if you're putting five super high-quality subs on the bench always, but they're happy as Larry because the game doesn't take morale into account, that's not fair on the people who can't do that. And there's no there's no downside to having a fully loaded bench. Whereas in real life, if you 
bought five of the best players in the world and benched them every game, they would be pissed off and you wouldn't get the kind of performance out of them that you were looking for. And there's certain players who thrive in coming off the bench and having an impact and others don't. And these are things that are not really factored into the game very well whatsoever. Everyone's just pretty much identically impactful off the bench there. They all come on with like six chemistry or whatever it is. I think it's six. And largely you can just use them. That's like 6.25 or something. Yeah. And you can just use them to almost their uh, face uh, card stats ability. But in real life, there's, there's more factors to deal with than that when selecting who goes on the bench. Normally it's like um, fringe squad players or youngsters, stuff that we don't, cater for an ultimate team whatsoever. So I think it's it's an area where we've gone backwards over the years and, and this doesn't necessarily help. It will probably just result in more ratty gameplay. And when you come to like hyper-competitive, if I go 2-0 up and I can make five subs in the second half, I will lock down that shit by yeah. putting centre-backs on the left side and right side of midfield. <laughs> you ain't getting anywhere down the channels, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's going to be a full allows for such tactical diversity with, with, like I say, zero downside. So I I don't think that's going to enhance player experience at all, unfortunately. That's just going to reward the people with the best squads over and over again. Give them an even bigger edge than they had before. I mean, and this is all, of course, just from reading this one line that they put in there. I mean, we don't know what they've they've done to team press. It could have been nerfed. Uh, You could be impacted more. We don't know. We're just you know, if, if the history tells us anything, this is not going to be good for the game. It's not going to, it's not going to make the experience better. In my opinion, um, Paul, you kind of had a little eye roll there. Yeah. I just don't think it is going to make the experience better. Cause like Matt says, you it's know, hard you, to can, imagine. you can, you can have on like sort of five really good or even just four really good, solid, sturdy CDM types. Um, and really just lock it down, have them all on comeback. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. And with the new chemistry and all that as well, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be a very different game, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be very different. And, um, you know, we talked about team press and the impacts of it. They added some changes to that. There's a new partial team press and they refer to it as PTP. It's uh, you double tap and hold R1 or RB if you're on Xbox. Uh, what it does is it sends two of your players to closely mark the opponent's passing options. It can be rewarding, but it also is potentially risky because it puts your players out of position. And if you're not careful when using it, you'll get burned. So that'll be another another wrinkle they put into the defensive side. Um, I like that they're making changes, trying to make it more, I guess, usable on the defensive side. Um, they also have a tactical change in depth. So basically greater differentiation between both extremes of tackling of tactical depth. So the higher depth teams will hold the defensive line higher and they'll be quicker to push up the field when your opponent retreats and your lower depth teams will sit deeper and won't push up. So I'm hoping this is actually true because in FIFA 22, it didn't matter what you had your depth on for however long, if your opponent possessed the ball, everybody drops back. They just naturally do. Now they would push out and do an auto offside trap, once you got to like 70 and above, but everybody still pushed back at that point. So it makes it really hard to retreat and counterattack. Um, where do you sit with that one, Mets? Do you, do you have any 
beef with the PTP or the depth changes? No, no problem. I think the more options we have, the better. Um, it's too early to draw any solid conclusions. We just have to see how no, that no. plays out once we get our hands on the game, I think. I'm sure we'll start getting feedback on the usefulness of that from people who start playing the beta when that comes out. And we can make a determination whether you want to invest time into sort of mastering that early on or if it's something you'll sort of slowly evolve with over the course of the game, which is where I think most people will probably go for. Um, people tend to play the beginning of the New Year's game, this is how they finished last year's game, and then their style changes with patches and all that stuff. So uh, anything that gives us more tactical flexibility is good, uh, if yeah. as long as it's executed well, of course. So I look forward to seeing how that plays out in reality. So knowing what we know, Paul, is this going to entice you to move your depth up beyond 30? I'll move it up to 30, maybe. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, let's not get carried away just yet. Let's see what the first patch brings. <laughs> it's going to bring a lot of it. Uh, one thing that's always a hot topic in the community and I feel like we went backwards on this one. Matt was talking about going backwards on stuff. I feel like in 22, we went backwards on right stick switching. I think it was one of the worst games for right, sw- right stick switching that I've played in the last five years. Um, I feel like FIFA 21 and FIFA 20 got much better at it. And we just went way beyond where we were in FIFA 20. We're so far behind on player switching uh, in 22. So they added a new thing. It's called adaptive right stick switching. It's a new style of right stick switching. So if you hold the right stick, it'll go to a further away defender. If you just flick it, you'll go to your nearest defender. Um, there's also a right stick switching reference. It's it's a setting that determines who or what is used as the reference point, sort of like a ball relative, player relative. That'll still be in the game. And uh, there's some stuff about icon switching, but I'm not even going to talk about it because icon switching is to me, it's ridiculous. It takes too long to even do it. You can't react in a competitive environment. Um, and they made some changes to the uh, next player switch indicator. But right stick switching, what did you think about it this year, Paul? It's been really tough at times. Um, I don't know if it's a connection thing or what, but I I seem to struggle with it more on days where the gameplay is struggling. You know, if the connection's shit, it does seem to really impact the the switching. Or, or maybe that's yeah. just me getting more frustrated with it. I don't know. But, um, uh, yeah, right stick switching's... It's, it's never been amazing, has it? You know, let's let's be right. But it's at times this year, it's been it's been really costly. You know, it's moving, it's taking you four or five mm-hmm. attempts to try and get the correct player, especially in a, in and around a crowded box. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's difficult. The worst one is when you're defending an attack and he's coming right up the center, right around that D, and you got to switch to your let's say your right center back. And it gives you, or you, you got to switch to your left center back and it gives you the right center back. And you're trying to charge the ball carrier and you just move that right center back right out of his way. Right out of the way. Right out of the oh, way. It's fucking frustrating. That's been in the game for years. Like I can see so many goals like that. And you know, you would have had it if you got the right player. And it's so fucking frustrating, which that's probably another one of the things that leads to this toxic ass community, but neither here nor there. Uh, Mets, where are you at with player switching? Do you think, this is a good change. 
obviously just from reading about it, we don't know how good it's going to work, but assuming it works as they say it does, do you think this will help? Yes. And I think it's one of those things that um, creates more of a skill gap, which is what the competitive end of the game are, are really looking for. If you can get really good at Razzik switching, it can save you so many goals. Um, it got to a point last year for me where I very rarely even bothered to do it. I would sooner, in a defensive situation, take control of a CDM and have him charge down the ball and let the AI defend for me than risk changing centre-back control in the area because of the amount of times it would fuck up. The other one is getting control of, let's say, one of your strikers or your, one of your further most forward players on a kickoff where you don't have the ball to try and intercept someone who you know is just going to run straight down the middle. And that's always been harder than it should be. So anything that gives you more accurate um, right stick switching is, is definitely a welcome change. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that that's executed as well as it sounds on paper because that will definitely be a good thing. Yeah. Well, you guys want to talk about anything else that we saw in the release? There's tons of stuff. If you guys want to go look at the uh, the deep dive and the pitch notes, we're going to put that in the show notes. But Paul, anything else you want to go over? No. And, um, and to be honest, I've not really looked really closely at a lot of the stuff. Um, I will do a little bit closer to the time. Um, and like I said, I'm still enjoying this game a lot at the moment. So... I'm still ticking away with that, but you know, if I've said this all, I've said this before numerous times. If it's better than this game, um, it's a success. It's a success, yeah. If they make improvements, and you know, we've we've spoke about it before, it's just a reskin. Um, with lot with a few improvements, and it gets better, and it continues to get better and better. Um, I'm all for it. Um, I know we had a bit of a discussion in the Discord this week talking about is it the move to totally rewrite a new game or keep adding to this one, um, you know, and that's, I think if they've yeah. got something that works, keep keep building on it um, yeah. until it no longer works, you know. And I think that's, that's kind of been we'll the, the debate over the last couple of years is do you go to a subscription style of FIFA or do you keep with the same model and produce a new one every year? Um, and kind of leading into this, we had another discussion in the discord that about this particular tweet, it was put out by Jake Bardford. Um, he's a influential person in the community, makes a lot of videos, but he posted a tweet called the truth behind FIFA 23. And we'll put that link in the show notes, but, um, he made a lot of comments about the game is broken. The game is built on old code by employees who don't work there anymore, like 12 years ago. Um, just basically shining a light, in his opinion, on the problems with the game. And I was able to get some remarks from somebody on the inside at EA who asked not to be named. But basically what he said was, this is very exaggerated, and a lot of it is untrue. But the fact that also he said that there's plenty of people who wrote the code that still work there. So the fact that there's so many, in my opinion, outright lies in this tweet as refuted by this person who I know knows the information, I kind of can't believe the rest of the shit that he says in the tweet, but a lot of it is stuff that we kind of expected, right? Mitz. I mean, like the old code and just like adding on to shit. Like I know some of this stuff year to year is just reskinned with small tweaks. I mean, it's got to be because the animations, a lot of it is the same. Um, 
but I just feel like it's, it's so easy for the community to get on board with a negative post like this and run with it because it, it went pretty viral the day it came out. But the, the one thing that kind of stood out to me was he said that it's exaggerated, which to me means that it's not entirely false. If you exaggerate it, that means there must be some truth to it. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. Don't believe everything you hear, see, or read, but just take it with a grain of salt and make your own conclusion. Don't just believe what people say. Do some research. Do you guys have thoughts on this tweet? I know, Mitch, you probably have some. Yeah. So exactly what you just highlighted right there about it being exaggerated, not a lie. So it's obviously been dramatized to make it a more shareable piece of content, right? Sure. Um, but he's obviously picking up on some tones that have elements of truth to it. And I work for a company where we offer a service based on software that was written 20 odd years ago. And lots of those developers have left the business since. And we find ourselves in a situation where, okay, our new developers can do something with it, but there's also the decision whether to go completely fresh or keep trying to tweak something that perhaps wasn't fully optimized in the first place. And I think that's where they're at now with FIFA. And I say FIFA explicitly because I'm sure if they're going to make any big, bold moves, it will be for EA Sports FC, not for FIFA 23. FIFA 23, they can just throw out a new lick of paint on the same game that's made them billions. Most of the community will be happy with that. And you would expect them to pull out the big guns when they lose the big brand, right? To try and keep everybody on board. That's been Mm -hmm. my expectation since I realized what was happening with EA Sports FC, that the next game will be okay. And we should expect bigger changes for EA Sports FC. And I think this tweet is, is that decision in a nutshell. There's stuff there that can only be improved so much and that perhaps prevents the game from reaching its full potential. And we know that there's elements of truth in this because of what happened with Chemgate many years ago. That happened completely because of this exact issue that the writer of the tweet was highlighting. It was stuff that was built upon and then built upon and then built upon, and at some point people lost an understanding of how things worked and problems arose. And I think that happens in just about any software development environment you can think of. And FIFA is no different. It's just perhaps has the potential to be more catastrophic <laughs> in, in our case, because there's so many people, one, using the software and two, highlighting every single flaw that comes out of it. So I will take it at reasonable face value that he's right that this thing's wrong. He's over-egging how bad they are to get a shareable piece of content. And whatever he is highlighting specifically will remain a problem in FIFA 23, but probably won't be beyond that. Or at least they will endeavor to do something mm. bolder when they go for a completely new setup with, with their new game once they drop the FIFA brand. Yeah, and I feel like, and I said this before, but I feel like the game developers often get wrongfully accused of, of creating a bad game because we we know the game is good. When you play squad battles or you play offline mode, or even if you're playing online and you have a good connection, the game is fantastic. It's the consistency, which I've said time and time again, is the issue. So to me, that's a net code problem. That's an that's a infrastructure issue. Um, I feel like if they got that right and it was more consistent, people would complain much less. Maybe I'm wrong. People are probably still going to complain, but 
I can honestly say that this game is fucking fantastic when it's good, but when it's bad, it's really bad. That's the issue. So before you guys go out there and start bashing, you know, game developers and producers, just try to see the big picture here. Think about those games that you had that were good, that were crisp, that were fun and understand that that's the game. That's the game you should be playing. That's the one these guys at competitions are playing at land events. So if the game's rough, it's heavy, put it down before you get pissed off. Trust me. On um, that point, before you move on, Hunter, mm. I, I think that the game has always played its best when we have the worst set of cards in the game, though. Like the, the week one cards, the game feels its best. The stronger the cards get and more plentiful they become, the worse the gameplay feels. And that obviously mm. rubs against... EA's business model, how they make money. They want to throw w- wacky and wild content at us every week, which creates hype in terms of people who like squad building and all that kind of good stuff, or trying to get the edge by getting the best cards week on week. But the gameplay then becomes worse because it's basically the unstoppable force meeting the immovable object, to use a cliche, every week. Yeah. And that's the eternal struggle that Ultimate Team's going to have once it decided that the best card in the game wasn't going to be a 93 Ronaldo like it was years ago, it's going to be 99 Mendy, basically. Yeah. That's the problem we have. Yeah, and it's that's kind of going to always be the issue, I would think, too. I mean, when you're playing a game that was developed on a set group of players, let's say they base the game off of gold rares, right? The, most of the tweaks and adjustments are based off of gold rares. When you tune that curve and you give these highly juiced players, it's kind of like, like, like in car terms, right? If I give it more gas, I need to take in more air to help combust that gas or it's not going to work properly. Your engine's going to backfire. So I, I kind of feel like this is the same thing. Once you speed up the game or you speed up the cards in the game, you have to adjust the game accordingly to make it flow correctly. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't know where you think, Paul. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's where the, the sort of patches coming along, isn't it? But going back to building a new game, I don't... I think, and this is, you know, I'm just putting this out there. If you're a board member at EA and somebody comes to you and says, oh, last year, I know we made billions, um, but what we're going to do is we're going to throw all that in the bin that we've been building on for the last 10 years and we're going to build something completely brand new, totally from scratch because there's a good chance it might be better. And they're going to say, is it definitely going to be better? Oh, no, it can't. It might not be better. It might be worse, in fact. You're fired. They're like, no, 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 just keep doing what you're doing. We're earning billions. Shut the fuck up. Go reskin the last game because people love it and they are telling us they love it by spending billions of dollars with us every single year. Um, so... Yeah. I just don't see how we're going to get something new and different until that stops happening. And I don't know if it will stop happening. I don't know. I'm just, that's just a bit of a different I think we're we're waiting for a big competitor to come out that's going to force EA's hand then to make the next big thing. Because if you roll back to 2008, FIFA 09, that was the first Ultimate Team. And they made a bold step to make that move, although it was DLC at the time, it wasn't built into the game. That came about because they needed a means to get ahead of the Konami football games, which were 
on a par, if not better than FIFA at the time. FIFA didn't have a stranglehold on the market like it does now. And it was that kind of struggle for market share that bred the um, the innovation to bring Ultimate Team in and make sure the game was becoming better year on year. Because before, I would say, 2008, FIFA wasn't anywhere near as good as what Pro Evo put out. But then in a couple of year period, I think for me, I was trying to play both games at the same time. It was Euro 2008 and then FIFA 09 where the difference became quite stark that EA's game had gotten ahead of the curve and then Ultimate Team on top of that was just the perfect storm. We don't have that. But no one's forcing EA to get better year on year. And if we keep spending money like you're saying, Paul, we're, we're voting with our wallets and we're saying yes to everything that they're yeah. doing. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. a combination of we could spend less and try and affect them that way. And or a big competitor comes in and really forces them to change their business model. And I think that's pretty much where we're at now. We do have a couple on the horizon. Hopefully that'll have a big impact on the game that we like, as well as them having their own success with what they're doing as well. And and, and in that situation, they've got to get it right then. If they've got a competitor who is sort of snapping at the heels, um, if they make a totally different game and a totally new game and it fails, they're screwed. So it's, it's in their interest in mm-hmm. it to really nail it and get it right. Um, you know, yeah. get get the best people on it and, and really make a go of it. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I do hope some of these new games that are coming out are, um, you know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take a few years for these games to really sort of find the feet into and um, become good. I don't know if they're going to be yeah. a competitor within the first year or two, but, you know, it's good to see that there is yeah. there is something on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, look at PES. eFootball, it was free this year, right? And people still chose to pay and play FIFA. So it just shows you that the game is not as bad as a lot of people say it is because they're choosing to play one that you have to pay for when you have one that's readily available for free that you could be using and you choose not to. So, you know, talk all the shit you want, but at the end of the day, the game's not that bad. It's the consistency for me. And, uh, you know, I've seen some um, PES videos recently that run the foot market. There's some great content as well on PES. So if if the game was anything close, you know, it'd be people are believing yeah. FIFA to go play it in droves. And they're not. Well, this so is the other thing you. as well, Paul, is that um, FIFA has that decades-long now brand entrenchment, which Pez has lost over the years. Yeah, because it's changed its branding so many times. It was international superstar soccer, then Pro Evo, then eFootball. That's kind of lost its way with that, and now EA is getting to the point where FIFA is going to drop off, and they have to go with a brand new brand, and then they lose that brand entrenchment. That's the time where the competitors really have to get their shit together and strike yeah. hard because they can really take some market share away from EA at that point. Whether they do so remains to be seen, but um, there's, there's a potential for three strong competitors off what we know from Konami and the other two that are up and coming. So the EA have got to work a lot harder to maintain or what their bosses will like is continue to gain market share and you know, just keeping it not good enough as far as shareholders are concerned. They need to be making gains year on year and that can't be much of the market they haven't tapped up already, but with free competitors, it's going to get very interesting. It might, it might 
deliver the type of innovation we've been screaming out for for years. So it's probably a good time to be a a football video game player in general, never mind a, a fan of FIFA Ultimate Team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like you say, Matt, it's, yeah, I've had that, and FIFA have had that, that long-running um, thing where people just keep going back to it. And I just think of myself, it would take an awful lot for me to stop playing FIFA and go play and go play another game. Um, well, 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 look how it is for us. We're, we, we're doing a dedicated podcast to FIFA Ultimate Team. It would be one hell of a, of a change for us. So, you know what? One of those other games is better. We're going to play them and we expect everyone who has our podcast to come with us. You know, that's a bold decision to make. Yeah. And there's people who have like a social scene in FIFA. They play it with their mates like you do with co-op. They follow certain streamers. Streamers have an audience built up around FIFA. It takes a lot for people to make a bold move to to voluntarily move away from that. Yeah. So yeah. someone's got to do something really big yeah. to get people to to sway their allegiances at this point. Yeah. I know Run the Foot Market throws up an odd eFootball video and it is the only odd one. It might even be on his second channel. Um but he's not stopping doing FIFA content to do that. He's just yeah, putting the odd video up as money. an extra. Yeah. You know, he's he's, he, he's he's doing that at the end of the season when yeah. his his audience is dropping off and he can do what he wants at that point rather than what pays the bills because yeah. he knows he has to wait until September and the money starts rolling in again. You know, it's, yeah. That's why you see everyone playing Fall Guys and everything in, in July. It's, <laughs> I was going to say. You start to see people's real colours when there's less less money being thrown at them. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there is one that uh, UFL is one of those other games that should be coming out. It says the release date is 2022. They don't have a concrete release date, but we, so we should get a third uh, football or soccer video game this year. So be on the lookout for that. I'm definitely going to give it a try just to compare it and see what a new, newly developed uh, football game feels like. But yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on all that information. I don't have anything else to talk about this one, but it's good to be back. I'm glad we're all three back and gearing up, ready for FIFA 23. Paul, you want to give some parting words before we go? Fuck off, you bastards. There we go. All right, where can they follow you on Twitter? Right fucking foot, W-R-I-G-H-T-F-U-T. Right fucking foot. Excellent. How about you, man? Nothing foot-related, but I watched last night the new um, film in the Predator franchise called Prey. It's really fucking good. So, Oh, I saw go, the advertisement for it. Go check that shit out. It is legit. And you can follow me at LamboMatter1T on Twitter or... Hit me up in Discord. And we do have a Footballers Fantasy Premier League running at the moment. We'll drop a link to that mm-hmm. in the notes if you'd like to join. That's completely free. It's just for giggles. Um, but provide some good banter over the course of a season. So check that out. Sounds good. And you can follow the show on Twitter at FootballersPod. You can follow me on Twitter at TheFootHunter. Uh, if you're not in our Discord, join the Discord. The link's in the show notes. It's completely free. We do a lot of stuff in there with tactics, uh, team setups, general chat, everything else. We do Fantasy Premier League in there. So uh, if you guys are interested, click the links for you to join. And we will catch you guys next episode. See ya. See ya. See ya. You bastards. Sports Social.
Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.